the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard. You can't count on us for opinions. We promise you that. Good day, America. You're listening to Waking Up in America. We're a premier team radio magazine, and we provide listeners with powerful conversations of excellence for body, mind, and spirit. And boy, have I got a good one for the body, mind, and spirit today. Jean Houston is joining us, and um, you can check her out at her mystery school. Jean, what's your um, what's your address on the Internet that you want to send them Jean to? Jean Houston, J-E-A-N-H-O-U-S-T-O-N, one word, dot org. And there you go. It's the org you have to pay attention to. If you can't find her, you probably put in a com instead of org. Um, come and be a fly on the wall with us as we talk about the most intriguing conversations in radio. And if you'd like to not be a fly, you could actually send me an email at val at wakingupinamerica.com, and you can ask Jean or any of the other editors a question, and I will relay it to them, and that way you can play in this wonderful adventure too, and you can be part of be, of Waking Up in America. I'm Dr. Valerie Ann Kirkgaard. I've played polo. I've had children. I've piloted planes. I've carried the Olympic torch. I found out that my life is much more interesting if I um, create extraordinary moments for myself, and those extraordinary moments are things that give me um, a, a code or something to live by, and by finding people the quality of Gene Houston and inviting them to be on radio from week to week over the last 20 years, I have put myself and held myself in one of the most amazing conversations imaginable. If you have no idea what I get out of this, I get out of this some of the best teachers in consciousness and some of the best inspiration and the opportunity to converse and share with them what others have shared with me. And it's actually... This whole conversation has got me going to Rome in November to be at the Nobel Laureates Conference. Uh, Jonathan Granoff made that possible for me. And um, I've got my reservation, and I'm going, and I'm going to be listening to what the Nobel Laureates have to say about the world and how to best create peace in it, because the truth of the matter is um, I'm concerned. So Jean, I consider her she's the great soother, the great inspirer, and... Um, You'll hear her warm voice as she continues. Bob Costa of the Home Shopping Networks has said that we're doing radio that will change the world, and I hope you agree. So we like to interview people who bring love, charm, and interesting points of view and new information to make your life easier and more effective, and sometimes just to shake you up a little bit because you may be flying along on a consciousness dream that says, if I don't pay attention to what's going on, maybe it will go away. And all I have to say is maybe it won't. Uh, you'll meet Lisa and Cherie and George and our wonderful diva Maureen. And if you hear a dog barking or a telephone ringing or an angel singing or the wail of a fire engine, know that we are actually on telephones from all over the United States and sometimes different parts of the world to cause this program. So you can call your friends and invite them to listen because we can be heard from any place in the world that has Internet access. And that's on the recording day. We're actually replayed on other stations in Albuquerque and Buffalo and Pittsburgh, and if you're listening to us there, check out the website and find out when the live broadcast happens so you can participate with us. Also, we're starting a new club so that let's say that you get really moved by what you hear with Gene today. For $39 a year, we will email you an MP3 of the show 
so that you can replay it at your convenience and have it and share it with your friends and family. So that's for $39 a year, and you go to our website at wakingupinamerica.com to sign up for that. Now, remember, I'm about to introduce Gene Houston to you, so send me an email if you have a question for Gene. And, Gene, gosh, I, I know you from the mystery school. I, I know you from so many interviews. I remember the... I remember the remarkable story of how you did not get on the 9-11 plane. Um, And I know that who you are is constantly evolving. What would you describe, who or what, and how would you describe yourself today? Well, I think in my most recent incarnation, which I've had too many. (laughs) You had 45 since I've met you first. (laughs) I was about 70 now. Uh, No, I've brought a lot of the work of human development to leaders around the world, and I'm in partnership with the United Nations, the United Nations Development Program. I'm the senior consultant through that program in retraining leaders. I mean, the real leaders, not the ones that you see up front, the real leaders who do the real work, Harry, you know, in the back room, Uh, training them in their own development in the light of social change, social complexity, because... Let's face it, Valerie, most leaders have been trained to be white males of the year 1926. <laughs> <laughs> no, they simply... Tell me, was it. that a good year? <laughs> that, was a, that was a poor year for leadership training, but that's where they are. And so that the world is suffering horrendously, and worldwide, you know, societies are crying for those who can come in and bring real consciousness and depth to the reorganization of society, of of, uh, institutions, of business. So I work with the real leaders. And in the last year, for example, I've worked with the leadership, and I've bring a whole team from the United Nations with me. We work with the leaders of of Albania and then also with the Eastern Caribbean and Kenya, with the delegates from Uganda and Tanzania, the Philippines, Nepal, and many more countries coming up. And we spend a lot of time in these places, and we run programs in which we really show how to utilize applied human capacities to have a much larger mind, a much deeper creativity, a warmer heart. What is an applied human capacity? Well, applied human capacity would be, for example, the obvious one would be creativity. Many people, 90% of what they think today is 90% what they thought yesterday and what they'll think tomorrow and yet you get beneath the surface crust of consciousness and the creative process with regard to anything that's going on all the time, but it means you have to stimulate internal sensory systems. So are we kind of like, it seems like we live our lives on autopilot from the past programming? Well, too much of it, too much, but about 90% of it is is autopilot. And when you have autopilot with leadership, it gets to be fatal. Oh, oh, oh. You see, and yes. you just can't, you can't do that. So I get them off of autopilot. I have them expand. And all, by the way, what we're working with is toward the, the, the eight millennium development goals, which you know. Now, would Erad- you tell our listeners what the eight Eradication of po- poverty, uh, very substantially by the year 2015. The, uh, the gender equality, sustain- ecological sustainability, extended education, um, uh, HIV, AIDS, malaria being greatly reduced. Um, child mortality being greatly reduced, mothers being supported and uh, being encouraged in, the, in their in their welfare, but those, those and then partnerships with the rest of the world, and the, a lot of progress has been made in some of these areas and not in others, and a lot of people are so caught in habituated thought, in old shibboleths, in ways of seeing, so oh, that, that we really I... shake them up and have them look at 
very real issues and problems in totally different ways. You have to tell me what a shibboleth is. A shibboleth. Shibboleth. Well, I don't it's, know what that is either. It's an old. It's an old pattern. It's an like an old pattern. wives' tale. Well, that would be what happens in your mystery school, huh? <laughs> well, among other things, yes. In the mystery school, we really shake people up. Now it's entering its twenty-third year. Really? And every sense is engaged, every habit is shaken up, the, the body is stretched with psychophysical exercises, the mind is quickened by the essence of ideas from many disciplines, and uh, we, we plunge into subject matter with literature and drama and ritual and high hilarity, and people are transformed, at least that's what they say they are. And do they stay that way? Well, in many cases they do. Many of our people, and it's been about 4,000 people by this time, have gone on to create their own schools, have created hospitals, have created, written many, many, many books, have had plays performed. We have people from senators to movie stars to people who push the broom, you know, and a and, uh, right. huge amount of creativity. Because people, when you really begin to give people access to the largest story of who and what they really are, and, and you provide them with, <clears throat> what should we say, Humanity upgrades. <laughs> yes, I like that. Instead of being humanity one, they get to be humanity nine point or nine point two <laughs> uh, by by giving them the access to really state of the art strategies, innovative strategies, not only in expanding their mind and their body and their spirits, and doing it in a community of people who are mutually supportive, but also doing it for the betterment of the world. So they take on very substantive projects, and in most cases, they fulfill them. Well, you know, it's interesting because when I picked up, I, I kind of call you off of impulses. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. And I was, I was thinking of the tsunamis, right? And, and then the Hurricane Katrina and what was going on in Iraq. And I, yeah. I, I think that the, you know, Texas is getting warmed up for another slam, and That's we're right. getting fires over here. And I went, the Chinese say that crisis and opportunity are the same symbol. Perhaps I should call Gene Houston because <laughs> it looked like crisis. And as a matter of fact, you know, yes, it's not to, funny. I don't know. In why a secret it. voice. Well, it's it's funny how I put it together. It's but, tragic it's, comic. But it's, yeah, it's tragic. It, it is tragic comic. But what what it is is also that you find throughout history. Give me any era in history when you've had tremendous crisis. That's when you always have the breakthroughs. That's when you have spiritual deepening. That's when you have not just new moral codes, but a whole new story for the society to emerge. And we are in the time of the restoring of society. I mean, the present administration in America is imploding, as are other administrations around the world. There is a time of a regenesis of human society that has to run parallel with a repatterning of human capacities, with the breakdown of the membranes between people and organizations, the, the breakthrough of the depths. I mean, not since the 5th and 6th century B.C. have we had so much spiritual vitality as we have right now. And also, I have to say something else, Vary. What we hear on the media is all the bad news because it's, it's, econo- you know, it's economic. What they feast on. But, you know, I've been in 100 countries, and I've worked intensively in about 40 cultures, and I have to tell you that there are so many things changing. There are present on the world two and a half million, count them, two and a half million organizations devoted to ecological sustainability, better health, better families. I mean, it's, it's just incredible what is happening in the great green tendril, creative underbrush of, of the of the human of the human uh, society right now. I go around the world and I find everywhere women of a certain age, and well, you and I know what that age is, you know, <laughs> are taking huge initiatives. The rise of women, 
to full partnership with men in the whole domain of human affairs is probably the biggest shift in human history, and it is going to change everything. Now, you can see it when you are out there and you see this happening, women taking on, and women and men too, but it's women of a certain age, generally over 40, who are taking this initiative. Oh, interesting. And, and what you see is the voluntarism, people getting together, the awareness of the ecology, the awareness of, of what human beings can be, the, the, the active, the active, the social activism to really make things happen. It's huge and it is immense and it has never been there before in human history. Well, it's interesting because Gina Rollins is now doing Commander in Chief on television. I don't know if you've seen it yet. No, I haven't. Um, I actually was kind of excited by the whole thing. Yeah, well, of course, Hillary's going to be the next president. Do you think? I think so. I told her that in, 2000, in 1995. I said, well, around 2000, well, you'll get to be president. Let's hope if she's president. You see, I got turned on because I thought it was a, you know, a good yeah. thing that she did, the way she handled a particular <laughs> situation on it. But the, reason, but the thing was, I realized, especially after I was talking with Larry Hagman about it, she handled it the way a man would handle it, but she did a very good job of being a man. Yes, and I'm just wondering, yeah. for instance, if Gene Houston was president of the United States, what kind of solutions you would be offering for Katrina victims or uh, the? how would you be handling that? Let's say you inherited Iraq, okay? Oh, thank you very much. I know, much. I know. You, 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 so you can kind. thank me later, okay? <laughs> uh, but let's say you did. You've, you've been elected and you've inherited Iraq. Hmm? What would be your first steps as the president? Well, first of all, I would think about it very deeply and for a long period of time. Okay, I would not make first steps. Okay, well, by the time you were elected, you okay. thought about it for a year. And I've thought about it for a year. Well, one of the things that I would do is to set up a great many conversations, and not just conversations between Iraqis, which is very, very important, but also conversations with people with real, really fine and refined peacekeepers from all over the world. I would bring in some of the great compassionate listeners. I would bring in many of the people who have proven themselves, like like the Jimmy Carters of the world, you know, have been proven that they can create many, many sanctuaries for deep thought and deep consideration so that people can face each other and really speak. But you don't go in with a war machine. You don't. Yeah. It never accomplishes anything. It just activates more of that which it's trying to put down. So I would somebody, think, they'll fight. Pardon? You attack someone, they will fight. Yes, quite. And so we would set up literally thousands and thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of conversation. It would become a great conversational um, uh, theater, a theater of conversation. And from and people would tell each other their own stories and what they desire and what they want and what they want for their children. It's like talking to fundamentalists of any kind. And from these conversations, we would then begin to go into citizen-based democracy or citizen-based you also have to realize that one of the things that where America really fails is America assumes that the present democratic process is something that, as we expressed in America, is something that you're going to export, and it doesn't happen that way. Any more than democracy of America does not look like the one that it started to export in Japan. Every culture has its own innate historical unfolding, and something is trying to happen to the Iraqi that is quite different from what America says. So we see only the polarities. We don't see what is the what is the the deeper story that's trying to emerge. As people talk to each other, then the story, the, the larger story, 
from the from the the great consortium of many stories begins to emerge of what what is deep in the heart of the people beneath the fears beneath the fundamentalism beneath the ideology is another vision and people are coming at it from very limited perspectives but if we expand the story expand the empathy expand the heartfulness then this deeper deeper story i think will emerge okay so you're president and you've decided that you're going to make your um, mystery school available to all of the politicians well, and Congress. I don't know that I would do that. I mean, a political mystery school would look very different from the one I run right now. Well, what would it be? Well, I don't know. I, hear I don't know. It's such an interesting question. I've never really thought of that. I, I think you would also start with deep conversation. And then from, you know, I've done this. I've done this. I was, uh, I was head of the, when I was president of uh, the American Humanistic Psychology Association, we went into Washington, D.C. at their invitation during the Carter administration and we created, what was it, a three- or four-day seminar for four hundreds of people who were under secretaries of state, under secretaries of things. And we had them there. We started very simply with papers about, you know, policy directions in the, alt- in, in the decade ahead. And then we started to do things like um, Aikido, so they, they would have fun with that kind of thing. Oh, then we it. would start the story. And then we got into deeper and deeper levels until finally... Finally, and you'll find this extremely funny, finally we had people in a sort of light trance states all lying on the floor, all these great bureaucrats <laughs> lying on I'm the already floor. Smiling. <laughs> and And what they were doing was that I took them to the possible society, you see. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so in, in the possible society, this is, is something quite extraordinary happened. Because a lot of them, they really saw a whole new order for America. A whole new order for America that they would never have seen before. And it was, um, and they, they formed into transformational lunch bunches. And they created, for a while, you know, at least while the Carter administration was existing, they created all manner of new ways of looking at government and things. So yeah. we, we really just took them through a, a total, a total process. I think you should remind Hillary of this, that this happened. I no, think she I never might even be told open. her about that. Pardon? I never even told her. This is yeah. interesting you should say that. I think you should tell her about this because I really think she'd go for it. Well, I don't know that she would at this point in life, but I think that she certainly would. Um, there they were, the heads of national agencies, the undersecretary. Gene, you underestimate what you do. I'm going to argue with you. All right, you may, you may be right. I really think that she's a smart cookie and I really think that if you talk to her about this, that it's going to make some kind of an impression yeah. on her. I really, really, really do. But what we found was that people up and down the government hierarchy who normally would seldom speak to each other were freely exchanging names and addresses and getting together, and they had new ideas and plans for interagency projects, And because everybody sensed that if this freewheeling atmosphere of deep growth and creative intensity could be sustained, America turned, could turn a corner. I, I look. We're, yeah. we're in desperate straits. I think you should call her up to call Hillary. Call Hillary now and get. You know, if, if you truly believe that that she she will be the next president, you should at least put the bug in her ear. Well, maybe I'll have a chance to do that. 
Oh, I, I so hope so. Maybe I will. I, I put the bugs in lots of ears. I mean, we do yeah, well, remarkable I'm, things in, in many countries with leadership all over the world. You world. have quite a history and quite a reputation, and I think you could probably sit in her lap and put the bug in her oh, ear, no, no, which no, is no. a little different. Than no, I haven't seen her for some time. I don't know about that. But, but you know, I can certainly get through to him. Good. Yeah. So I want to give the... I and he's doing interesting things. You know, I think he's creating a kind of shadow version of the United Nations and some of the work that he's doing. Are you really? talking about Bill? Bill? Bill Clinton, yeah. You can get through to Bill? Yeah, I can get through to almost anybody. Okay, well, if... Okay. Yeah. So let's do some getting through. Yeah, I can I can get through. I mean, I've been a... You know, I've, Catherine Hepburn once said... She said, everybody's so very nice to me because I've been around for so long... It's like I've become a monument, and they come and admire the monument. Well, I've also been. <laughs> that was the point. <laughs> so uh, I once understudied her. That's another funny story. But but um, uh, but I've been around for so long that I I know everybody. Well, I'm trying really hard to get a break in here so we can get other team members okay. that might want to ask you a question because I would like to hog you to myself that day that I must share you. So George or Cherie or Maureen or. Or Lisa, uh, do you have anything to say to Ms. Houston here? Yes, this is George. And, Jean, I really do admire the thought process about helping people see a different way of being. When we did our research on our book called True Leaders, we were looking for leaders who were good people, who cared about people, and yet were still effective within the organizations they were in. Yes. And these are not the leaders who, who seek the limelight. Right. These are leaders who are really making a difference in These their own the way. People who do the real work—they're quite different from the limelight people. Yes, and, and um, speak a little bit more about how the U.S. is going to have to take a leadership role in bringing out that kind of leadership. Well, I think it's not simply the U.S., George. I believe, uh, you know, speaking as an internationalist, it's a worldwide phenomenon. In point of fact, what may be happening around the world is the demythologizing of America because of the present leadership or lack thereof. And uh, what I'm finding is that other cultures are deepening into their own culture because they don't feel dependent on the American sovereignty anymore. And they really want culture back because when economics, you see, what has happened is that culture has become a satellite to economics rather than economics being a satellite to culture. So, I, you know, when you work all over the world, what you do is that you encourage, um, well, first of all, you encourage a very deep, sensitive nature that is empathic to people and their needs, that takes them out of the political spectrum, which is always a very, very overt and on-the-surface spectrum, to get people into the depths of who and what they really are, to have them tune in to the, the codes of, of their possibility, of their destiny, and then to begin to have them relate to the outward environment is something that can substantively make a difference. You also have to find a new story. Because often when a, when a civilization fails, it's because its story has run out. And what has happened in America now, I think, is part of our traditional story of ourselves as the goodest, the best, the kindest, the deepest, you know, has run out. And the shadows which we kept underground for so long have risen. Now, what do you do with those shadows? Well, one of the things that you do is say the shadow is often the basis, the impetus for the next story. What is the next story of America? It may very well be with, it, it may have to do with America as in deep concert, deep concert, 
and consort, too, a good Jungian slip, a consort and concert with other cultures, with other peoples, realizing that, it, realizing that in the time of whole system transition, we are in the time in which all of us are rescaled to planetary proportions. We are in a time of huge resonances between and among cultures. Uh, it isn't, it's not just cultural fusion. It is a whole new entity that is perhaps the preparation philosophically, psychologically, psychically. It's the preparation for a coming planetary civilization within this century with high individuation of culture. And this may have necessarily meant that America has to go into a, a diminished form for a while, which is frankly happening with regard to the way it's been regarded all over the world, so that other cultures can regain their authenticity, their power, and be full, be full contributing members to the, to the world system. Oh, thank you very much, Gene. Robert Walton, uh, one of our listeners, has written an email. Yes. And he says, tell me more about your mystery school. Oh, dear me. <laughs> well, our mystery school, if you go to my website, genehouston.org, it's one word, genehouston.org, you'll find a lot about the mystery school. The mystery schools began, um, oh, in ancient times, because they were, they were the ways of learning things that normally you don't learn. So that, you know, they were in ancient Greece, they were in ancient Egypt, they were... They were in um, uh, literally all over the world. And, and this is my modern equivalent, which I began in 1984, uh, of, of a community of seekers who've been meeting for millennia and participants who have committed themselves to attending the four sessions of the course of the year. They, they find that they tap into a larger sense of what is there for them. They, as I said, they, they do this with different themes. The body is stretched. They, they tap into the, the uh, great stories that then become part of their own story. They are encouraged to embark on journeys in which they see their own lives as life writ large. They return year after year with, with shared work. They form transformational friendships. They, they are, they, the, the point of it is to help engender a passion of purpose and a deep commitment to live truly and beautifully in high service to others and to gain the capacities and the wherewithal to do this. And I often tell stories. For example, I'm about to do a special mystery school, a preview mystery school, which is going to be in Palm Springs, California, from November the 11th to the 13th, and it's on the mystery of making a difference in this world. Mm. But I also I should tell you that I'm using a, as a subtext Hogwarts for adults <laughs> because, you know, too many people are bogged down in the muggle world, you know. Right. And, and many people would have a sense that maybe there's something more to the job, the current role, the history, like Harry Potter. You're awaiting that mythic calling. You're a wizard, Harry. You know, there's something more. And the fact is, Harry, like us, is a stranger in a strange land, cut off at a year old from his source. But and living under the stairs, but then he is summoned, and people who've been attending this Mr. Coo have often said, you know, this school is really Hogwarts for adults. It, it offers so many ways of working with reality, such potent ways of learning new skills and hidden capacities that you never knew you had. So it's a grown-up but very practical version of the Harry Potter school for people no, who want to change the world. I am going to give I'm going to give Cherie Ross or Lisa yes. a chance for one last question. So whichever one of you jumps in first, that's it. 
get off mutri. <laughs> well, do, are you there? Yes, I'm I, here. I thought I heard that mute button wiggling. Yes, I'm here, dear. Hi, Jean. Hi, Ben. You were just in Minnesota, and I feel absolutely horrible because I wasn't able to come and spend the day with you. Um, you know, we're, we've moved the mystery school from the East Coast to Minnesota. Really? <gasps> yes. Did you do that? It's going to be in California. And it's both it's east and west, but now it's east and mid it's west and midwest. It's I going to be in Lake Arrowhead in California, and it's also going to be starting in 2006 in Minneapolis ah, at I the Oak Ridge Center. At the which so center? you've got to come, series. At, at which center? The o- Oak Ridge. It's right outside of uh, Minneapolis. Yeah, I beautiful, just got beautiful. I just got your mailing, and it didn't. It it it, it just it just gave the dates for New York and for. No, the, it doesn't say New York. Look underneath, and it says. Minneapolis. You know what? I just right. did. I just got it last week. Well, actually, I'm going through mail. I just got back late last night from Ecuador. No. <laughs> and um, at what you're talking about, I'd just like to verify, because what's going to be happening is I was just down in Ecuador working in, in the University of Oswe yes. in Cuenca, and there's going to be starting a whole new way the world looks at medicine uh, at that university. And there's a gentleman there whose name is Dr. Uh, Rodas, Dr. Edgar Rodas. Mm-hmm. He actually is going out into the, the uh, bush and into the rainforest and the jungle. Mm-hmm. He has built a surgical unit in a large van, and he actually goes on location and does surgery. Isn't and, that wonderful? And Isn't... He's, he's funding this out of his own pocket, by mm-hmm. the way. And of 8,000 surgeries that he's done, guess how many patients he's lost? How many? Guess. None? Did you, how many? I said none. Zero. That is correct. Isn't that extraordinary? I've never heard of that. And guess, guess how many have had post-op infections? None. That is correct. Isn't that incredible? And Gene, I'm telling you, it's all coming together. Yeah, it's coming together, Gene. So I would like to just validate. I don't really have a question other than I think you're the most amazing woman I've ever met. And anybody, I would encourage them to go to her mystery schools because you will change inside. And not only will you change there... But you will change after that because any time you face something, I went to just a two-day class with Jean numerous years ago after I had a, a very bad brain injury in a car accident, and I didn't even know who I was at that time. But you taught us how to bend spoons with our mind that day. Oh, my. And what was amazing is every time something I came up against something that I felt was bigger than me, or I can't do that, or whatever, I would go grab my spoon, and I would tell myself, if you can bend a spoon with your mind, with a brain that's been damaged, you can do anything. So I would encourage people to be around Jean Houston as much as is possible that your schedule allows. Well, what we try to do is bend minds and activate souls. We don't tend to bend spoons very often. <laughs> oh, I want to learn how to bend spoons. <laughs> It's a very simple thing to do. Yeah. But you know what you did? You did bend my You expanded my mind. Yeah, but until I've done it, it isn't simple. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is quite simple, though. <laughs> so thank you, Jean. Thank you so much. That's very kind of you to say that. Well, Jean Houston, what can I tell you? I went over on the time. I'll give up my time for later in the program. I don't care because listening to you and having the opportunity to speak with you is incredible, and I'll be calling you after the show. Thank you so much. And just so much. Thank you. Is there a Thank number you that you would like to have people call after the show, or you want to send them just Well, they can the call our office, which is 541, that's, that's Oregon, 541-488-1200, 488-1200. There you go. So 
Jane Houston. You've been on the air with Jane Houston and uh, Robert Walden. Thank you for your email. And go to our website at wakingupinamerica.com if you'd like to get a copy of today's show. Just sign up for the $39 a year, and we will put you on our regular list. And every week you'll get an MP3 of our guests. And while you're on the website, you can write any of the editors just by taking their first name and for instance, it would be Cherie, C-H-E-R-I-E, at wakingupinamerica.com or our diva Maureen or Lisa, Lisa, our Family Matters, or George. Simply, you can write them. And if you want to write the silent man in the background, Pete, you can do the, he's the one that makes us sound so good and you never hear him. <laughs> uh, you can write Pete and say, how do you do that? Or any questions that you might have, Pete's actually a, a Mac specialist. So if you've got any good questions to ask him, you can. And uh, next up, we do have Cherie Ross, who is just back from the jungles of Ecuador. Did you take your oils with you, or how did that work? Um, actually, I did, and it was interesting going through customs multiple times. Oh, I bet that was bad. Was, they probably thought you had secret poisons or something. Well, you know what? Yeah, well, what they think, depending upon where I am, believe it or not, the worst place I had was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, when I flew <laughs> down there a number of years ago. And the, it was right after 9-11, and the, the head of security down there thought I had liquid um, bombs, little liquid bombs. You did or little liquid explosives in those bottles, and he was going to take me off to jail. And as the universe would have it, uh, the gentleman, I mean, it, it was very horrific. He was seriously about taking me off to jail. And thank God that a gentleman, a few walking behind me, came through the little, you know, the, the security with a very large knife on his belt. <laughs> and, of course, that set off everything. And the employees grabbed my stuff and said, quick, run to the plane, run. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, pass the nut. Run past the nut and get on the plane. So now I would like to talk to you quickly about the essential oils very very quickly. And, and I'm going to talk about my experience in Ecuador a little bit until I run out of time, and then I'll continue next week if I don't finish. But getting into Ecuador, you know, we got in about midnight on uh, a week ago Saturday evening. And uh, going through the security, and they scanned it. And the woman, of course, that I get going through security of arriving in Ecuador does not speak any English. So she was extreme. She was, you could tell she was having a very, very difficult day. Um, some people would call that a hormonal day. Um, some people would call it ultimate PMS, whatever you want to call it, she was there. And she was just cranky and crabby, and you could tell she just didn't even want to be in her own body, let alone be at work. And so I, you know, I opened my oils to show them that they were safe and, and um, showed them and tried to explain I have known no Spanish other than how to count and, and, you know, thank you and goodbye, and that's about it, and good day and good evening, that's about it. And so wouldn't you know it, I have probably 200 little tiny bottles of oils in my case that I travel with, and the oil that she picked, she just reached in and picked out an oil, and she picked it, opened it up, and smelled it. What's it's interesting calmer. is the oil that she picked out of all the 200, now, I have clearly I have no labels on the very tops of my oils. They all are white bottle tops, so it's not like she could read or anything. Um, she picked an oil blend called Dragon Time. Guess what Dragon Time helps to do? PMS. Exactly. Out of all the two hundred, the security guard could have reached in and pulled out. She picks that one. She unscrews the top, and I tried to encourage her to smell it. Just be, and I didn't even know she had picked Dragon Time because she'd had her hand around the whole thing, and she smells it. And you, her whole face, within about five whiffs, changed. Everything changed. She motioned a gentleman to come over who spoke a tiny bit of English, mi poquito English. And so 
finally they got the fact that I was into what they called aromatherapy and that I was there to study at the university, at the medical university in Oswe. And let me tell you, she did not want to put that bottle back. She kept trying to put her hand down and put it back, and then she'd hold it, smell it again. And then she'd put it down and she'd smell it again. <laughs> <laughs> and when I left, she came around the line and hugged me. So uh, anybody who says that the essential oils do not create world peace, I challenge you. <laughs> One PMSer at a time. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, she smiled. She was happy. The tension left. And she didn't even put it on. She just smelled it. So that's a little bit about the Dragon Time. And what it is, it's a blend that I work with specifically designed for when you are dealing with hormonal issues that are just, you know, dragging you all over the place. And so um, it's called Dragon Time. So now let me quickly go to the uh, one, um, one oil, maybe if I can get to two, that we learned about in Ecuador. Unfortunately, the three days that we were scheduled to go into the Amazon um, we did not get to go in because it was the only three days that they had torrential rains. It rained so hard that we could not get our buses and our vans into the roads. That's how bad it rained. So we are planning another trip back for that. But anyways, we did get to go up into the mountains. We did get to go in into the, the native areas there. And we did, we found two oils. We didn't find them, actually. They, they were found by Dr. Gary Young a month ago. But those those two oils, we actually were able to um, work with, and they distilled them. And one is called Polisanto, and the other is called Ruta. Now, in South America, they call it Ruda, R-U-D-A. But in the, the tr- traditional Latin name shortened is Ruta, R-U-T-A. Now, let me quickly tell you about Ruta. Ruta is known to completely kill malaria. It will knock it out. And if you are going into a malaria-infested area, you can take Ruta orally, apply it topically, and you will not get malaria. And so if you already have it, it will get rid of it out of your body. And if you and if you are going into an area where you might be susceptible, instead of the vaccines that cause most people to become very, very ill with very bad side effects, you can just do the Ruta oil. Now, what else does Ruta do? The plant. Literally the plant. If you take the plant and rub the leaves in your hands and smell it, you will go to sleep. It is, it is such a calming agent to the brains and to the neurology. So can you imagine what it's going to do with no side effects to all the people who have insomnia or cannot sleep through the night? It's absolutely amazing. It helps to calm very irritable people or children. And if you have someone who's having an anxiety attack, all you need to do is take the leaves, crush them in your hand, and what that crushing does is gets the oil on your fingers, and you can inhale it and it calms them in seconds. You can literally count to ten, and by the time you're counted to ten, they are calm. No this more is Ruta oil? Ruta, right. It is currently being tested. We're, we're distilling it every two weeks to find the optimal um, essential oil constituent or the compounds in the oils to find the optimal balance of chemotypes before we bottle it. But it's coming, and that's Ruta. So okay. I encourage... We're out of time. Yep, I encourage... All of you, if you'd like to learn more, there's other oils I work with. I'd be happy to support you. Uh, give us a call at toll-free 866-RADIO-99 uh, or heaveninincorporatedallspelledout.com or just visit my website, young-living.net. And next week, we're going to talk about Polisanto. Oh, there, you know, I want to get some. I know people that I'd like to send little bottles of that, too, because I know the world is they're being manipulated by fear. Yeah. You know, and I think this, it seems like a good fear, fear block, blocker. 
or breaker? It, it's, it, it's a centering oil, though, and it's a calming oil to the nerves. It literally calms overstressed nerves. So when will it be available to the public? I will let you. You probably will be the first to know once I know. Oh, great. You can send me a sample. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Do we have Lisa Malson? I know she's traveling, and I'm not sure if she's off the plane yet. So this Family Matters could be on a plane at this very moment, or she could be with us. Are you here, Lisa? She's not out of the airport yet. Lisa Malson of Family Matters is one of the most amazing human beings that I have ever met in my entire life. She's the mother of six. She's a Yurok Indian. Her mom was a tribal chair. They call them chairs. They don't call them chiefs anymore. And uh, her husband's family was also comes from that lineage. And they are people that will do whatever it takes to get done, to have something work, and to work things out. They have, Lisa has gone through some of the most intense family dynamics I've ever seen anywhere, and she manages to be a beacon to her children and with strength that's, unbelievable, and she's continually improving herself. She's at another seminar right now, um, flying to that other seminar, and she'll be doing this for the rest of her life because that's the kind of person she is, and she likes to read a lot, and she likes to share the things that she reads, and she's made some extraordinary connections through the radio show. That's one of the seminars that she's going to. It's actually Laurel Langmire is having her alumni seminar this week, which I will be attending in San Francisco. And Laurel Langmire, you, you want to check her out as well. I've, I've the, the level of extraordinary people that visit with us here on Waking Up in America and the good ideas they give us. I don't know if you noticed Maureen or not, but um, I'm going to call up and find out what it takes to get into Jean's Mystery School. So you can talk about that if you want to, Diva. But next online, um, I just want to send you to the website at wakingupinamerica.com. I want to invite you to actually sign up to be one of our listeners, and every week we'll, we'll send you an email listing. There's no charge for this, letting you know who's going to be on that week and you know, just kind of keeping you in the flow of things. And for $39 a year, you can actually get 52 MP3s. And if you judge that at $10 a CT, CD, uh, you'd be saving the difference between $39 and um, $520. So... I think it's a good deal, and you, you'll have quite a library. I'm enjoying mine. And um, check us out. Also, you can write to any of us there. You can call us at toll-free, 866-RADIO-99, and say, I want to know more about what Cherie said or Gene Houston. And right now, I'm very, very pleased to bring you a man that's made leadership and its qualities and the expression of, and um, he participates as a leader, too. He's one of the finest men I've ever known, and his name is George Rachesky, and he's here as a true leader coach. Thank you, Val. I had a wonderfully inspiring weekend. I was part of a team that put on the first Rotary International Leadership Institute in North Texas. We had 16 people who were part of that first class, and we realized as we got through the weekend, that we do live in a frame of mind that locks us down rather than lifts us up. The 16 participants were all folks who are, by all measures, successful, and yet as they experienced the institute, 
and we began to talk about what does it really mean to be in service to others, so service rather than power. How do we really build cooperative, collaborative efforts rather than competition, which our whole society seems to be built on? And how do we help people embrace their passion in a way that will make a difference in the world? And when the folks got up at the end of the weekend to talk about, they, they were each doing a testimonial, and each of them spoke to how the two days had transformed the way they looked at their lives. And they talked about a change in how they saw themselves in business, how they saw themselves in their communities, how they saw themselves in their families. And when we did our debrief, we really did recognize, you know, how much do we let the environment influence who we are? And one of the frameworks that we used, we talked about our thoughts lead to our behaviors. Our behaviors generate outcomes. Now, in order to get better outcomes, what do we need to do? We need to change to the right thoughts. Right thoughts will generate different behavior. Different behavior will get better outcomes. And that simple process, and if we think about it, if we see the world as a dangerous, depressing place, that's how our behaviors are going to be, and those are the kinds of outcomes that we will experience. But if we see the world as an adventure place, a place of positive possibilities, and that we can influence other people to move together in a better direction, then we're going to have different behaviors, and we will get those better outcomes. And I've done a lot of uh, reflecting on what is an essential element of true leadership. You see, leadership isn't about a position. It's about your belief in yourself that you can influence others to move in a more positive direction. And true leadership isn't a, you can lead from anywhere because it's about influencing, not forcing. It's about engaging, not demanding. And when we do that, we discover that people have wonderful minds and thoughts and capabilities and talents and interests that all we have to do is tap those and help people connect around a common vision. And I have become more and more impressed with the founding of Rotary, which was in 1905, and they are committed to peace around the world. And every place that an authoritarian government gets replaced in the world, a Rotary Club opens up because it's tapping a desire that folks have for peace through prosperity. And I'm convinced that we're moving in the right direction. Now, there will be a lot of fits and starts, but I will tell you that the world today is more wealthy than it's ever been. And when folks stop trying to hoard it and recognize that sharing the keys to creating it is what empowers people everywhere in the world that that's when we will have peace. So it was a great weekend, and I realized that a lot of the work that we're doing is helping people change to right thoughts, to create different behaviors, and those different behaviors create better outcomes. Because as we discovered, you can change without 
progressing, but you cannot progress without changing. Ooh, good one. This segment has been brought to you by True Leader Coach. Please call us at 877-321-4852 for a free consultation on taking steps to change your life. That's 877-321-4TLC. And when you give us a call, we've got some lists around effective teamwork and the principles of true leadership, which we'll be happy to share with you. And that's a gift to you from us. Val, back to you. Yeah, one of the things that I want to point out to listeners is sometimes when people listen to George talk, they think he's talking to a very select group of people that run corporations or private businesses or something of that nature. And true leadership is a thing that happens in all kinds of partnerships, one of the most profound partnerships being family. So this is about who takes the lead when you're going to the movies. It may sound like a simple thing, but how does the situation get set up? How is it? What are the ingredients that are going to apply on how are we going to decide how to go to the movies to how are we going to decide how to run this company? So the techniques and the processes and the information that George offers, please spread it across the board. You will find something of value. I guarantee you this. I've I've worked with this man for a long time. And I, if I have anything to accuse you of, George, it's that when you talk, that people don't know that they that leadership is bigger than it is. You know, they put it in a small package. As far as I'm concerned, I heard you breathe. You, I know you. Thank you, Val. So um, he he will give you techniques that will work in all kinds of situations, and that includes your family. And he's been tested in his family by some of the more challenging situations on this planet. And he comes through as a leader. With uh, this woman. She's a leader of her own sort. She's actually um, queen of the divas, at least the Hermosa Beach divas, and I know she's queen of the network of the world divas, and I know she was TMLP world leader, and um, I know that creativity and expressiveness and just making up good fun is one of her favorite pastimes. And uh, I need the fairy to visit again, Maureen. I need a fairy visit or something like that. Is there one in store in the near future? Oh, she may be coming in November. Yeah? Yeah. Thanksgiving or what? How does it work? Before Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving. Oh, thank God. And what I'm going to talk about today, we'll be sharing a little bit of that. Because I have a very important message for you. And you want to get your pens and your papers so that you can write this one down. This is Maureen O'Crean for Distinctively Diva, and we want to thank our sponsor, DistinctivelyDiva.com, Curves International, and ProFlowers.com for making this message possible. Today we're going to talk about the habits of the secret sirens. These are lessons for everyday divas, and today's lesson, write this down. Never, never buy the ugly shoes. And I'll tell you why. Divas of stature take nothing for granted. While they're happy and thrilled recipients of gifts from others, they also make sure that they gift themselves. Many of us have been programmed to give awesome gifts to friends and families on important occasions. We often pick up that special gift that fits one of our friends just perfectly. But the diva that we neglect most often is ourselves. 
now about the ugly shoes. While on a recent shopping trip to get football cleats for my son, I went perusing through the women's shoe aisle. I really wanted to pick up a pair of flat sandals so that I would just have them there for quick runarounds instead of my heels. There were two pairs that felt fabulous. The practical brown sandals on sale and these really cute, totally impractical pink sandals. The brown ones were on sale. The pink ones were $20 more. Being a diva, you would think the choice would be easy. But unfortunately, I was in the mom zone, and Alex needed so many things for school and football, my mind was a running calculator. And with hundreds of dollars running up the total, I bought the brown ones, which were practical and on sale. What a colossal mistake. Every time I put on those comfortable shoes, I feel old, dumpy, and ugly. And comfortable. And comfortable. (laughs) But I replay being in the store and I say, I should have gotten those cute sandals. I was on a business trip and on every occasion that to wear pink, which is often in my world, I say to myself, if you only had those cute pink sandals, you could have worn them today. When I get back to the cute ones and I go to the store, of course they're gone. Now, if I had kept me at the top of the priority list with Alex, I would have bought both pairs and returned the ugly ones as soon as the reality of bliss in pink sandals took hold. I share this with you today as a warning. Don't let this happen to you. If anything makes you feel old, ugly, frumpy, dumpy, or crumpy, go right now to your closet and throw it out. Don't even give it to another woman who may wear it as a compromise. I think the ugly feelings get attached and passed on, although I am totally making up that part. You are, because if you stand behind a counter, those ugly, comfortable shoes could save your life. (laughs) Hey, I'm telling you, anything that makes you feel bad makes you feel bad. There's no writing it off. That's for you, Diva. (laughs) Wow, that's for Divas. That's that's the truth. You you may sometimes choose the ugly comfort, but it's still lurking in the back. <laughs> so if you sign up for our free newsletter at distinctivelydiva.com, we're going to have five habits of the secret sirens in our newsletter this month. And these are those glorious women who always remember the diva that they are. So you can email us, and thank you so much for today. And please come to wakingupinamerica.com, join our mailing list. You can email me at wakingupinamerica.com or go to distinctivelydiva.com, the international online community of women for women, and sign up for our free newsletter. Now, they would just type in Maureen at wakingupinamerica.com, right? They would if it was working. <laughs> Don't say that. This is going to be replayed. And by the time it's replayed for the third or fourth time, it will be working. It will be working. By it's only today on October 19th. If you hear it past the date, it's working. Because we're fast. We are fast. <laughs> We've been working on it for the last hour since you mentioned it. <laughs> I know, and, and um, try to to sign up for our our um, our 
I love it. Our club, our $39 a year, you can have all of these great conversations. I was remembering, Maureen, when I used to pay $20 for an album. You know? Oh, yeah. And now, for sure. And now you can get an MP3 file. It just blows me you away. You can get 52. And you know what? I, I just found out today that we're, I was also talking to Denise Dion at Voice America, mm-hmm. and she said one of the coolest things we could do is get on the iPods. And I said, thank you. We've already done it. So what we're going to do is we're going to be cross-referencing all these shows so that you can pick us up on iTunes. I just, Fabulous. You, you pick up on, she was explaining it to me, Maureen. It's like you, we'll put in the contents of the show, like some of the keywords. Mm-hmm. Then what they do is they, they go through iTunes because they, when they want certain conversations, okay, and right. then our show will spring up. And she said that um, we had one of the best shows that she had ever heard on an ongoing basis and that the level of the guests that participate on Waking Up in America are just extraordinary. So, And that's why she was taking the time to call me and give me that information. I think that's pretty special. That's fabulous. That's and wonderful. And I'm also inviting the radio team to stay on the air after the show is over today because I've got some information for you. And I want to say, hey, we really want to thank you for listening today. If you if you want to visit us at our website, you can do that. If you want to know who helped us put all of this together, our radio partners, ConeyCompany.com, Radio Classrooms, America, Dr. James Murphy and Memoriam, our executive producer, Nathan Jett. And thanks to our guest, Gene Houston, and our chief technical officer, Pete Laubach. And thanks, Chris, today at Voice America and Denise and Eric and all of you. And to Ben Mygan, you can hear his music in the background. That's Almost Ordinary People. And if you like, we'll even get you a copy of that. It's very special. Next week, invite a friend to lesson. We'll be having George Lopez on. And the time you spoke them. Thank you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. Waking Up in America can be heard live every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time on voiceamerica.com and Valerie welcomes all emails at heavenincorporated.com. Almost ordinary people here.